I see you, girl. You're a leader. You're a leader in your friend groups, your church, your communities. And I know that as a leader, you can get so bogged down and burdened by the fear of man and the approval we seek from others. But what does it look like to take Jesus seriously and not much else? How can we be sincere in our faith, living in awe of the greatness of God, but not hanging our hats on our own or others' opinion of us? Well, that's exactly what Caroline Evans and I talk about in this episode. So if that sounds like you, you're in for a treat. I'm your host, Haley Williams, and this is Kindled, a podcast where women share stories of motherhood, work, and the grace we need for both. Well, Caroline, thank you so much for coming on Kindled today. I am excited to be chatting with you because ever since I just found out about who you are and started reading your writing, I have been cracking up at both your <laughs> posts and your interviews and your writing, and but also really moved by, I think, just the truth that kind of flows out of like your perspective. Um, and so that's why I wanted to have you on the show. So well, thank you. That's so kind. Well, Makes my day. Yeah. So can you tell people who have not heard of you, who you are and what you do? Yes. Okay. So I'm a writer. I'm a ministry leader. Um, I'm a mom to two really cute kids. Um, and I just feel like I'm such a millennial mom because I feel disproportionately proud of them when they do very basic things like sleep and eat. I'm like, you guys, that was so good. So I basically am just always celebrating them. And we're in the adoption process. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to say soon that I'm a mom to three, but we're going to kind of see how that plays out. And then my husband is a pastor. So um, I serve alongside him. And um, I also have a ministry that I started with two of my best friends called Story and Soul Weekend. And it's just a women's retreat based on scripture, stillness, and sisterhood, and has turned out to be a really good excuse for me to spend time with my friends. That's awesome. So that's me. <laughs> that's fun. Where does that Where does that event take place? And where are you located? I should have asked. Yeah, I live in the Memphis area. I technically live in Hernando, Mississippi, okay. but it's about 45 minutes outside of Memphis. And um, we just kind of serve that area. Gotcha. Although sometimes people come in town for it and that's fun too. That's awesome. So how long have you been writing? When did you start? Did you know you wanted to be a writer? What's your story with that? Well, I think that I have always really had an affection for writing. I mean, my favorite books, when I reflect back, they always feature girls who love to read and write. And then I remember in the third grade, I had to write and illustrate a book for a class project. So I wrote this book called Danny Dump Truck and the Bully. And I remember being convinced that these words would like change the world. Like I just knew that I had written this like very powerful thing in my family. And I still laugh about how dramatic it was because there's this one scene where and Danny confronts the bully and he asks, do you want peace in America? And the bully's like, yes. And Danny says, well, is this peace? And the bully says, no. <laughs> and that's the dialogue, but it like, you know, then he tearfully apologizes and everything is, you know, fine again. And I really remember like writing that and imagining my audience like weeping and like bullies repenting and the whole world like being made right again. And so I think I've just always wanted to do that. And somehow, who knows how, but I got a like a national award for that book along with these super smart girls in my grade. And I remember being really surprised that I could ever be in a category with them. So that like affirmation Mm -hmm. early on really 
just launched me into wanting, wanting to ride. And God's been kind enough to extend encouragement here and there along the way to keep me going. And so mm-hmm. I got a you know, undergrad degree in journalism and ended up becoming a writing teacher. But I really didn't call myself a writer until I was trying to start a new blog and all the domain names that made sense to me weren't available. Mm-hmm. So I ended up, the only one that really made sense was writercaroline.com. So I just kind of went with it and it ripped the bandaid off mm-hmm. in a sense. So now when people ask what I do, I say, I'm a writer. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty grateful that I got kind of back into that corner. That's awesome. I was a journalism undergrad too. So oh, yay. I feel like it's such a good degree to launch you into so many different things because I agree. You really do. I mean, if you can write, I think you can do a lot. Like if you can just write even a little bit well, you know, I mean, it just opens yes. up so many different opportunities. So. Oh, I completely agree. I completely yeah, agree. I love that. And I didn't actually end up, did you think you wanted to do anything within journalism, like be a reporter or like write for a media outlet or what did you want to do with that? Well, at the time I thought maybe I'd want to write for magazines. Okay. I like to write feature articles. Yeah. And so I did do that and sometimes do it here and there freelance. But, you know, after a while, you sort of get tired of writing about what other people think Mm -hmm. and you want to write what you Mm -hmm. think. So at some point I just was like, well, time for, time for me to talk now. So that's kind (laughs) of what I do is is say my stuff. My turn. (laughs) Yeah. I got tired on the other hand of, uh, of writing, feeding. I worked on the newspaper in, in college. So it was like feeding the beast. Like the second you would finish your article, you already knew what was due for, two days from then and you had to immediately start it was like there was never any sort of sense of like satisfaction that okay I'm done because you were already like okay well what's next and I'm already like that so it just like really stressed me out I was always just kind of felt frantic and then I took one web design course in college like one that at the time I took it was already outdated like it was it was like teaching us how to actually code in html and stuff which I learned a little bit but by that point, people were, you know, there was other ways to to design websites than just like pure code. And so mm-hmm. anyways, it was a little outdated when I learned it, as is a lot of college curriculum. But <laughs> but that like opened my eyes to this whole other world that, oh, like, what if I could, you know, not have to be interfacing with people all day and asking what what's your comment on the story or calling sources or, you know, all right. of that and like just sit at a computer with my coffee like that just felt like this is so much better. Yeah. I like this. So, um, yes. Anyway. Yeah. Sidetracked, but, uh, but journalism <laughs> anyways. Yeah. So I did have a question while you were talking. Okay. So, um, <laughs> something that you say, even down to your Instagram profiles, you say taking Jesus seriously and not much else. So that is intriguing to me because one, I tend to be a little too serious I think I always have, but I think I'm intrigued by that because what you say is like filled with truth, but you're not always like knocking people over the head with like, Hey, this, I, like you're not very heavy handed and in a way that I feel like I can tend to be. And so that's intriguing to me. And I would love to hear you like talk about what that means to you, where that came from, all of that. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, I think I just kind of grew up in a very lighthearted family where we're all pretty unserious, like to the point, you know, we had this chocolate lab and we named him Vanilla. You know, that's just like how we've always rolled. And then even like when Vanilla died, we were devastated and so upset, but we like immediately threw a party called Vanilla Party and we ate like vanilla wafers and wore dog ears and like, you know, just like 
just no matter what, there's been like a lightheartedness to how we approach things, even very serious things like grief. And I think I just started making connections that taking myself too seriously, because that's really what I mean by that. I mean, take Jesus seriously, take your faith seriously, but everything else, you know, yourself and your expectations and um, lots of other things, we can just take that a lot less seriously. And I realized that when I have taken myself too seriously, it was a lot harder way to live. Like for example, um, if I showed up to a party wearing the wrong outfit, it would be easy for me to like chastise myself for being an idiot and being like, oh, of course you completely misread the situation, Caroline, and um, really prevent myself from having a good time. Or, you know, I could just jump in, choose to have fun anyway, and laugh it off like, oh guys, like clearly I misunderstood the situation here. And, you know, just, just approach it more in a lighthearted way. So I really think that it's sort of something that might not come naturally because of my personality, because I'm such a people pleaser, but um, something that my family and their insistency on laughing at things as we come and not letting them uh, be too heavy um, has just helped me so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's tr- how I try to frame up, you know, anything I do, I want it to either be helping women take Jesus more seriously or freeing them to take themselves less seriously. Cause I don't think that I think that's actually a way that you can honor God mm-hmm. just by, you know, a, a sense of, of humility and, and knowing that everything doesn't rise and fall with us. Thank goodness. Yeah. You know, might as well have a little bit of fun. Right. <laughs> well, it's true. And I think, I think what it points us to is the fact that our identity isn't in how successful we are or how awesome we are at whatever we're pursuing or how good of a name we come up with for our chocolate lab that is like some flavor of chocolate, <laughs> but rather vanilla, you know, I don't know. I mean, as yeah. silly as that is, it's like, I think of my, what I, what my mind went to when you were saying that about your dog was like my instinct, and this isn't necessarily wrong, but my instinct is to be like, I'm going to come up with a really creative, cool name that has to do with chocolate, like, you know, like cocoa or some, some sort of like some variety that's from another right. country <laughs> or something. And, and almost like just go to the other extreme of like, okay, no, that's too obvious. Like, don't do the obvious thing. Do the less obvious yeah. thing. And, and I feel like <laughs> even with my siblings and our relationships now as adults, like, I think my youngest sister is hilarious because she says the thing that isn't obvious. And I feel like I sometimes I'm like, my humor is like trying to capitalize on what you expect to be said. And her humor is like, what? And she's like the youngest of five. So she's just different than me. But anyways, I guess that to say like, that is, I think, dependent on our identity not being in ourselves. Our identity has to be in something more secure than us if we are not to take ourselves too seriously. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that humility is the key to all of it, you know, and humility is just a proper perspective of who God is and who we are. And I mean, I have this, I have this moment that I write about sometimes where this kind of clicked for me as I was standing on a beach um, with our former student ministry. And I had just read Job, this passage where it talks about how Jesus tell, or God tells the waves where to stop. And I was reflecting on that, looking at all the grains of sand and being like, wow, God knows how many grains of sand we're standing on. That's so crazy. And then I could hear several of our girls talking, complaining about their bodies. And I've done that on the beach a million times, uh, whether I've said it out loud or just in my head. I mean, I feel like that's, you know, you put on a bathing suit and immediately 
the script starts, but something about hearing it right as I was sort of marveling over the beach really jolted me. And I thought like, oh no, like we have been caring about the wrong thing. We've completely been caring about the wrong thing because who in the world has time to lament love handles when God spoke and created a whole beach? Like there's a whole beach. He just said words and it was here. So it seems really taking ourselves too seriously to step on the beach and think it has anything to do Mm -hmm. with the way that our bodies are shaped. So I think taking Jesus seriously and not much else means stepping on the beach, marveling at and enjoying creation without shaming yourself and your love handles. Or maybe it means like laying down your desire to control the people in your life and just Mm -hmm. feel free to, to love them like Jesus asked without trying to manage them and manage the way they behave. You know, and I think it means doing what God asks us to do and saying what he asks us to say without, you know, allowing ourselves to be consumed by what others think. Mm -hmm. There's, there's just a lot of freedom and I've been able to enjoy so much more of life because I'm not hung up on what those people think. And why does my body look like this? It's not like those aren't legitimate concerns on some level, but they're just so, so, so minuscule compared, you know, to the greatness of God. So I just think it all really comes back to that idea of humility. Yeah. Oh, wow. You don't even know how much that, that actually resonates with me because just coincidentally, so I'm planning a beach vacation with my family in January and I have started to think, okay, how many days left? I've got, you know, three months. All right. The the clock starts now. The clock is ticking. I'm going to go to the beach and I want to enjoy my time. I want to confidently wear a two piece and not worry about it. I don't want to be stuck in a tankini. They're uncomfortable. I don't like fabric (laughs) on my stomach. Like, and I I have plenty of them, but I was just like, man, that would be my, that would be the best if I can just go there and be comfortable. And, you know, I have a two plus two year old, like I should by this point be able to be comfortable And then those shoulds and those like things you tell yourself, like, okay, well, like you really need, here's your goal. What's your goal? And, and even people that, you know, I look up to within the business world or, or Instagram world or, um, self-development or personal development, you know, are, are doing things like this where they're like, okay, last 90 days, we're going to do a challenge together. Everybody like stay healthy these last 90 days of the year. And my Mm -hmm. tendency is to get like, yeah, I've got to do that. I've got to put that on myself. And now that's, that's the banner that I'm going to wave. That's the flag I'm going to fly. And that's, what's going to like kind of define, you know, whether or not I'm okay with myself these last three months of the year. And while of course, like health is important. And I think, you know, we obviously need to steward our bodies that God gave us because they're the temple of the Holy spirit. So that's great. It is, it is important to eat eat well and fuel your body well, but like making that now, like kind of letting that weave its way into my thinking in that now I'm not going to be okay unless I do what that mindset and that way of thinking and, you know, believing tells me I've got to do like, that's where you start to get into slippery slope. And I think that's where you, you know, even along the lines of body image and and eating and, and that whole conversation for women, it's like, we can take ourselves too seriously and just be like, You know what? Even if I don't lose any inches or any pounds and look the exact way I do today in January, I cannot allow that to rob or steal any of the joy that I would experience by going to show my girls God's creation on the beach because that's why we're going. That's why, you know, that's why I'm headed there because like that's the whole point. So I just, that was that whole, I mean your whole example was like, uh, like it just reminded me that that's a slippery slope for us to, to walk down. 
Yeah. You know, I, I was, I think, cause I, I do the same thing. I mean, I'm saying all this, but I mean, I, I completely wrestle with it, but I think that this in the same way that we might, you know, say, you know, you do a 90 day, whatever, which is, is not sinful that that's not at all. You know, you don't need to feel shame for wanting mm-hmm. to participate in something like that, but what would be more important than 90 days of focusing on how to get your body in shape, quote unquote, for the beach would be, um, you know, how can I get my mind prepared for the beach? Like, how can I develop a deeper understanding that will shield me from endangering thoughts on the beach, you know? And if we could do that kind of preparation, you know, I have this, this is sort of related, but um, my sister got married in August and the week of her wedding, I couldn't get the dress zipped up. I mean, could not. Oh my gosh. I was like pulling muscles and sweating. I mean, I could not get into it. And I go to my mom's house and I'm so desperate to get into it. And me, my mom and my grandmother, we cannot get me into this dress. And I had done all this work for this wedding. And then I was like, of course, like the one thing I can't get in this dress. And I could feel the shame like rise up. And um, on the way to this alterations lady who like squeezed us in last minute, I was doing work in my head. I was like, God, when I walk in this fitting room, I know I'm going to feel shame. I know I'm going to feel like an idiot. I'm going to feel like a fool. I'm going to feel like I'm not being a good sister. I'm going to feel like I'm letting people down. I'm going to feel like I'm inconvenienced to my mom and to this lady. And so I just really tried to remember the gospel. Like I am, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, God, when, he died for my sins. And when God looks at me, he sees Jesus's righteousness. I don't have anything to prove. This dress does not get to tell me who I am. I only look at God to tell me who I am. So I'm saying all these things. And then I get into the fitting room and the alterations lady just zipped it up. She zipped it straight up. It fit. And I could have cried because I was like, oh my goodness, like God had already protected me with the gospel. But then just as a little extra kindness, he like made that zipper yeah. work, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I just was like, Oh God, I'm so grateful to you because I was safe already. I already knew I was safe, but then you went that extra mile and let me hear that glorious sound of that zipper going yeah. up. Oh my goodness. So mm-hmm. I just think it's way more of like a mental battle than anything. And I, I think part of that idea of taking Jesus seriously is that we really fix our minds on what the gospel is and its implications, because otherwise this random stuff that pops up in life, like that dress that could have really, I mean, I cared, I could act like I didn't care that it didn't fit, but I cared a lot and I was going to be really humiliated. And, um, so it was nice to remember that I don't have to be filled with shame. Um, so anyway, that's just like a a little side note. I know we're not trying to talk about body image, but I just (laughs) think we can talk about whatever, but (laughs) I think, I think it's real though. I think, I think it's one of those areas that, um, you can, you can, keep separate from, from the truth in such an easy way you tell yourself. And, and so many people are telling you like how to be, how to think, what to do, what to eat. Here's the meal plan. Here's the, here's your path to success. And here's the, like, follow this. And, and I'm, you know, fine. I don't really care about that. Like, it's not wrong. Like you said, I don't care what you want to do, but if you can't, yeah, if, if we're not preaching Jesus first, like you said, getting your mind right, like, mm-hmm. do we care more mm-hmm. about where our heart is at or do we care more about the size pants we're wearing <laughs> or like, yeah. you know, wearing the tankini? Like, come on, this is, yeah. I, I mean, we, we know, we know that in our minds, but I feel like we just don't live. We, I often don't live that way and, and I yeah, get caught I up in that. Either. So I, it's encouraging it's to, to think about how like not taking myself so seriously might actually really free me 
to pursue that eating plan, but not be burdened by it. Not be like, you know, now, oh, my failure means like I'm a failure. And that gets to tell me that I'm the worst. That eating plan and the workout plan, that's just a tool. It's not your savior. You know, always Jesus is the savior. And I think that often we just really elevate things that are just supposed to be tools and they can be good tools, but you know, yeah, we just elevate it too much. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Hey girl. Hey, did you know I have a course? Yep, I do. It's called launch what you love in 60 days. It's an eight week program that teaches you how to achieve financial independence by getting paid to do what you love. And I'm not just talking target trip money. I'm talking build a five figure income like I have. So your family can achieve its goals like getting out of debt, taking more trips together, saving for college, or whatever you dream of doing. This is possible for you, friend, and I can help you get there. Who is this course for? Well, if you've ever thought, I wish I could make money and stay home with my kids, or I want to contribute to our family's finances, but I'm tired of climbing corporate, or maybe I want to spend more time with the people I love most doing things I care about. I want to do my own thing, but I'm not sure how to begin. Launch What You Love in 60 Days will show you exactly the steps you need to take to get there. Think of it like a blueprint or a roadmap to the kind of lifestyle and work that you're dreaming of. I've been an entrepreneur for seven years, and I've started and grown three businesses, all while staying home with two kids under four. Call me crazy, but I totally love it. I get to do stuff I'm good at, stuff that I enjoy while drinking iced coffee in my home office during nap time. Guess what? You can do that too. I even sold a business this summer at the age of 30 and paid off all of my family's debt, but our house. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Sayonara student loans. I'm so pumped to be able to now teach other women who are in the early stages of launching and growing their business exactly what I wish I had known when I first started seven years ago. Lord knows where I'd be if I had had these tools and strategies way back when. The course opens for enrollment October 8th. If this sounds like you, go to HaleyWilliams.co and add your name to the list so you are notified when it's open for enrollment. Enrollment is going to be limited, so don't wait. Go to HaleyWilliams.co and finally launch what you love today. So you are a pastor's wife, and I think it's worth noting that if you can not take yourself seriously all the time about everything, and by the way, by the way, have beautiful purple hair, like I love your hair. If you can do that, <laughs> then anybody should be able to do that, right? But but why do we tell ourselves? And I have to tell you about a hair story really quick. So I, I have Yay. been doing for a while, just like once in a while, I'll kind of do like pink in my hair and awesome. Target has this rose gold spray that's 10 bucks and it looks great. It's awesome in blonde hair. And so I sprayed, I had it in like a few weeks ago at church. It was, it was like the third day or something. So it was like coming out, but it was still in there. And I ran into, this is so stupid, but I ran into a girl from college that I knew in the hallway and it was her first time visiting. It was her family's first time at our church. And I, you know, hadn't seen her in probably 12 years. And I remember my first thought was, oh my gosh, she probably thinks I'm like a girl with pink (laughs) hair. And this church is one of those churches where everybody has like (laughs) crazy hair and she's going to... He's going to think like that, you know, she can't trust the message that's coming from the pulpit. Right, right. Oh my gosh, Haley has pink hair now and that's so weird. And that was just like all going through my head as I'm talking to her like, hey, how's it going? Like, oh my gosh. (laughs) And I was like so self-conscious about it. And I was like, why? Because all of my friends were like, oh, it's so cute. It's great. You know, washes out in three shampoos. Like I, it was Uh so stupid, but I was like, this 
this is going to stop her family. And then the next week they didn't, they weren't there again. And I was like, oh, it's the pink hair. hair. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's so funny because the girl who did my hair goes to our church Mm -hmm. and people were like coming by, you know, her stall or whatever you call it, her chair. And they were, she would introduce me and be like, Hey, this is my pastor's wife. And every single person's face like changed instantly. And they were like, wait, so like, what are people on Sunday going to say? And I was like, I don't know. I hope they just say, I like your your hair. Like, I don't know what they're going to say, but I do hope it, it does make make sense that you would worry that it would communicate other messages. Cause I have been like, no, one's going to think they can trust me anymore. (laughs) Like I look like wild, but you know, it's kind of fun. She is off the handle. (laughs) Yeah. Do not trust anything she says. (laughs) I don't know, but like why I don't, is that, that obviously says a lot about me more than it does anybody else. This is a lot about like my, you know, what I think about myself or how I think I need to be putting myself out there or, you know, kind of impressing people or the, the, the image that I've got to keep up. Like it says a lot more about me than it does what the church believes or what other people are thinking. Like, totally. I'm, it's totally me. Well, and I'm the same way. I'm always like, oh my goodness, look how no one's actually that worried about it. <laughs> it was just me. Right. Just me being worried. Oh, Everyone's fine. Look how this didn't like change everybody's life. Oh. Yes. Wow. I guess oh, I thought it was more important that's than so that, but. <laughs> oh, that's so true. Well, I mean, I think I like kind of came to that, you know, conclusion that I want to take Jesus seriously, not much else because I'm a pastor's wife. Like, there's been so many, you know, there's just people often have unfair expectations. And I spent a really long time trying to meet all those expectations. But eventually, you know, I realized, well, first of all, I can't meet their expectations or even know what they are, because sometimes there's so many or they're so unpredictable. Um, Also, hustling to meet people's expectations is not fun at all. Mm -mm. And then also, you know, I realized that when I think I can meet other people's expectations, it's really a pride issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, It means I'm probably forgetting that God is the savior and God is the sinless one. And God is the one who meets our needs. And I'm not the one who does any of those Mm -hmm. things. Again, I'm just a tool. I'm not, it doesn't all rise and fall with me. So I always think just that's a relief to remember that. But I I think it's hard for me and hard for probably everyone because we want people to love us and we want people to like us and and think that we're um, capable and worthwhile. But it's just hustling to earn their approval is just really not a sustainable way of life. Mm -hmm. So I have really tried to shift my focus to help people love God instead of me and depend on His capability instead of mine. And, you know, then if they end up having a weird opinion of me, I know that will bother me. But in the same way that the dress not fitting, like drove me to the gospel, those harsh opinions of me can also drive me to the gospel. So they really can be a blessing to us because they force me to remember and cling to what's true. So, I mean, I I think it's just hard for all of us because we we all want approval. That's why we take ourselves so seriously because we think if I do all these things perfectly, I'll have everyone's approval. Mm-hmm. You know, but the truth is that we already have approval because of Jesus. And all these times when we don't get it from the world can just remind us of that. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's really good. The whole time you were talking, I was thinking of just this parallel to something that I walked through this last year. My husband and I have led a small group for two years and And it was a great experience uh, as far as just really learning like how to become a leader. Cause you know, I, the last time I led any sort of group was like high school, um, FCA, which is very different than leading us a group of young adults in, you know, a small group community every week. And I found 
through that process, like what I learned the most was that I was doing exactly what you were just describing. I was letting everything rise and fall on myself and whether or not mm-hmm. I, yes. I was doing a good job. And if people were unhappy with anything, whether it was that we weren't doing enough social events or we, they want to get together more as a group, then I'm like, oh, okay, they're saying that about me. All right. Okay. I'm not doing a good enough job. You need to do better, Haley. And then I right. would try and like, oh. I would try and bear up under that pressure or, or carry that burden myself and say, okay, like, this is what we've got to do. Here's our plan. And, you know, like you said, that's not fun to carry those expectations or those burdens. And I think, um, and my husband doesn't do that the same way I do. Like he, he, his response is very different to, to someone putting a burden on him. He's kind of like, no, that's not mine. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's mine. It's mine. Okay. All right. Oh, that is our dynamic too. I'm like, sure. I'll take it. I'll take it. Let me fix that for everyone. And my husband's like, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just like, he's just fine. He's not affected by stuff like that. But I'm like, oh my gosh, Joey, like they're, they're, they, they need more. They need more from us. And he's like, no, I think, no, we're good. And I'm like, no, we're not. So, so I really, you know, it wasn't like my group's fault. It was my fault. I think for really failing to see where I was in the equation as, you know, again, like you said, pointing them back to God, pointing, helping people love Jesus, not love me, but I, what I really wanted was for them to love me. And so that's why I was doing that because I was at the center of that equation going, okay, if someone's unhappy, I've got to fix it. What can Savior Haley do to become more, you know, more lovable or like that was sort of my mindset. And it was, it really killed me. Like it, it just was so, so hard. And like you said, I couldn't, I couldn't bear up under that for very long. And, you know, I, I ended up just really burning out and, and it wasn't, again, it wasn't like the fault of the group or anyone. It was my own fault for how I was dealing with those burdens and those expectations and just humanity, just people like, you know, it's nothing, there's nothing like specific. It was just like dealing with people and their expectations and their questions or their needs and, and making it all about me. And when I was at the center, I just felt myself totally like getting completely grinded down to nothing, to a little nub and, you know, and, um, where we took a step back and are not leading this year for, for that reason, as well as some others, just with our life being, as crazy as it has been. And so it's really good season for us to to take a step back. But that was just really eye-opening for me to learn about myself that I tend to do that, especially in in places of leadership, especially when I have people that are looking to me and that's a little scary. It's like, okay, I thought you know, just because I feel like I'm a good leader doesn't mean I actually know how to lead people to Jesus. It might just be that I know how to boss people around, you know, and how to make them all get in the line. Cause I'm the oldest of five kids, but anyway, so. Oh man, that's so you, I, I've been in that exact experience just so many times. It's really hard. It's, it's so hard. And also, you know, some of my story about trying to, you know, being in a leadership position is that I maybe found some identity in it. And even while it was exhausting me, I didn't want to lose it. And I was nervous that if I let somebody else do something, they might be better at it than me or people might lean on them. And I, even though I couldn't sustain anymore, I didn't want any, you know, I I still wanted people to view me as the one who could do all of that. And I think it's such a gift to realize that everyone has weight that they can carry, you know, so, and it's not a threat to me when somebody else is good at it, you know, and, um, 
that that can really just be such a blessing to me. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that just everything yeah. you said just is so relatable. Yeah. And well, we met with our pastor at one point, um, just to get some help and some like, all right, give me some strategies for how do I, how do I lead this group better? I'm feeling this way. Is this, is this real life? Am I making this up in my head? Like, what do I do with this? And one of the most helpful things that he said was when someone points something out and they notice an issue or what what they perceive as a flaw, that is a really good indicator that that is an area of strength for them. So if somebody says to you like, oh, I kind of wish we were doing more social things, they are probably really good at doing social things. And so that is so you can look to that and go, oh, light bulb, like, perfect. Do you want to head that up? Or could you help me with that and just level with them and be like, I'm really struggling. I don't actually have time to organize that or even maybe go to it, but could you, could you take that on? Or how could you, how could you serve the group or how could you serve this community with your skills and gifts? And oh, that's so, so I just was like, oh my gosh, how did I miss that? Like, that's so obvious yeah. like, now that you say it, of course, because whenever I'm critical, it's usually something that I think I could do better, you know? Right. So, right. Anyway, I just thought oh. that was really helpful. Man, I love that. That's so good. Um, so as a mom who is a little more on the serious side, as someone who works who's a little more on the serious side, how do I or the the woman coming, like, how do we like lean into that and say, yes, like I want to be less serious, I want to take myself less seriously? Like, how can we actually do that in our day to day? Is it silly to try and break it down into that? Or do you have any like, I don't know, practical things that you do or that you would advise women to, to do? Yes. I think, um, I made a handout of this one time where one half, one column is what I take seriously. And the other column is what I don't take seriously. And something about just actually making a list of that mm-hmm. is extremely helpful. And so I like to keep the gospel forefront in my mind and let that inform what I take mm-hmm. seriously and what I don't. So what I want to take seriously is going to be my relationship with the Lord is going to be my like connection in my marriage and is going to be the way I pour into my kids. But we got to be careful about that because just because I you know want to be serious about my motherhood doesn't mean I have to be serious about every element mm-hmm. of motherhood. So, you know, say I had to go through the McDonald's drive through. Well, I just had to go. It's just that. It doesn't mean anything. I don't get let the McDonald's drive through tell me I'm a bad mom and tell me I'm this, that, and that. Like I, I think we always need to be careful what's what's allowed mm-hmm. to talk to us. You know, so if you go back to the fitting room thing, you know, you put on your the jeans, they don't fit. Well, the jeans don't get to talk to me. They don't get to be like, mm-hmm. you know, you look at you, how you don't even fit into this. You know, I can joke and look at the jeans and be like, who made you? Like, you're a disaster. But I don't get to look in the mirror and say, who made you? You're a disaster because I'm not the disaster. Mm-hmm. You know, I can mm-hmm. just take the fact that God created me, take that so seriously, but not take the fit of the jeans so seriously because the jeans don't get to talk to me. Um, the drive-thru doesn't get to talk to me. You know, I just try to like not let, not receive messaging from things that aren't, you know, give God the voice. And so, you know, when I really am like in a gospel centered place, I can look at a fitting room mirror, even while I'm wearing something that I'm like, you know, busting out of. Mm -hmm. And I can know like, oh my goodness, but look, I'm a human being. I'm like, my lungs are going in and out. I'm I'm breathing without telling myself to breathe. And I can, you know, just think that I want my hand to move and it moves. And God made a human being. Like I cannot even make dinner and he made this human. Mm -hmm. 
And so I really can be like, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, not be like, like, why am I not skinny? Like, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just, I just try to be careful what gets to talk to me. And I think list making is so helpful Mm -hmm. about what I take seriously and what I don't. And there's actually not that much that you have to take seriously. You know, they're big things, but they're not, it's not that much. So like if I take my motherhood seriously, it's okay to not take every meal Mm -hmm. seriously. There's not a test. Nobody's hiding in the bushes and check in (laughs) and giving me a grade or whatever, you know, like if you, whatever people's different convictions are in screen time, you know, I get to wrestle with what my conviction is and not, you know, let someone else's conviction speak to me. And then if I mess up with that conviction, well, the gospel story tells me I'm a sinner, tells me I'm flawed. I'm going to stop being surprised by that at some point and just know that his mercies are new every morning. So I think there's, there's a lot of grace and I just keep saying it over and over again, but I think it's just the main advice is be careful who gets to talk to yeah, you. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. It's going to be a pull quote from this episode. I love <laughs> it. Yeah, because we do give voice to way too much. And I, I'm sure some of it is just coming from our sinful nature and our fallen, you know, the our mind, which is not fully redeemed here on earth. But um but also like the devil knows what our triggers are. He knows like if he, when he finds that foothold, which for somebody is body image and for somebody else is your, you know, whether you're feeding your kids all organic or McDonald's and for somebody else mm-hmm. is, you know, how you're doing in your business success or like that you, that you don't have a business or that you're not doing good enough at, at your job or whatever it might right. be that is for you. You kind of know, like you, those voices are very familiar that we, we oh, know yeah. them intimately. You know, when, when you start to hear it ramp up and sometimes I even recognize, I know this isn't true, but I want to indulge this. Like I deserve, sometimes I even feel yes. like I deserve to indulge this and then complain to my husband. And he's like, <laughs> you know, that isn't true. And I'm like, well, yeah, but, and it's like, I'm trying to argue my way to proving again that it's not true, but it's not, that's just really. I do that too. Good. You know, so I had my, the first two years I had kids, I was writing curriculum for the, for the school where I used to teach. And after two years, it was just a two-year project and then it was done. So there's a chunk of time when I'm making literally zero dollars. Mm-hmm. And I realized that was incredibly painful for me. I didn't really know it, but then if we, my husband and I got in a fight about money and I realized I'm actually not bringing any number to the table or if I'm having a really hard mom day and there's no, no one's assigning value mm-hmm. to it in a, in a way that I can measure, that felt really oppressive to me because it felt like I didn't have, I, I didn't have value. Mm-hmm. Now, of course I know that's not true, right. but it's like, even the lack, we can't even let the things that lack speak to us and proclaim, you know, our value over us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whatever, whatever money that I make, it can inform my identity and whatever money I don't make, it can't inform my identity. So I think that even just, you know, things like paychecks, mm-hmm have a bigger voice than they should sometimes. So yeah, yeah, man, we just got to be careful. Would you say identity is at the core of this, like of this whole question of taking Jesus seriously and not much else, or is it, is it pride or like, have you thought about what is at the core of why we take things too seriously? Yeah, I think I, I would think pride. There might be more to it than that, but my first gut is is pride mm-hmm. because when I take myself too seriously, and, and we would all do that for different reasons, but I just know that mine that I'm a people pleaser. So when I take myself too seriously, it's because I feel like I have to manage everybody's expectations and manage my image. Mm-hmm. 
And that's a pride thing. A humility thing is um, wanting to chase God's glory only. So it's like a question I ask myself all the time is like, whose glory am I chasing? And so taking Jesus seriously means I'm chasing his glory. I'm running after his glory. And (laughs) the second half, not much else, is just this like beautiful freedom Mm -hmm. that God gives us where we're like, he's like, hey, you know, I'm the one that spins the whole world around on its axis, not you, you know? So so I've set you free from so much. And I, I just think it's just a really good opportunity for joy and we get in our own way because yeah. we think we're in charge. So yeah, I, th- I would say pride. Yeah. Yeah. What biblical evidence like do we see for, for that? And I know like we're talking about pride, like obviously we know pride is a sin, pride is sin, but like what, what other places in scripture do you see God like reminding us that we don't need to be so serious about ourselves? And, and I, I'm sure there's lots of, uh, of unique ways that you could tie that in. But what do you see in the Bible? The main thing that I think of, I mean, first of all, any passage about the greatness of God and about the lowliness of man, is really useful. But, you know, I keep going back to that passage um, in Job 38, which is the one I was thinking about on the beach, because um, Job and his friends are struggling to understand why God does the things that he, he does. And they are suffering because there's this complete lack of control and so many questions, but finally God speaks. And he says, who shut up the sea behind the doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds, its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness. When I set limits for it and set its doors and bars in place. When I said this far, you may come and no farther. Here is where your proud waves halt. I just think that passage is so powerful and offers such perspective because we realize that not only did God speak the world into existence, but he keeps it under control. He tells the waves where to stop. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we struggle to get the weather, right. You know, we're always like mean about the weatherman. We're like, he never gets it right. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) you know, of course he doesn't, he's just a human. Mm -hmm. Um, and God has just this complete control over everything. And so that is just so encouraging to me. And and Job's response when God says all that is humility. Mm -hmm. He just honors God and trusts him to order his life. So that, that like relinquishment of control is what I strive to do every day. So I just love any passage that talks about how big God is because I'm not going to know that on my own. I, I just forget all the time how big he is. He just, I like to sum him up and, yeah. you know, 140 characters, you know, and think I can um, explain what he's like when really my brain has just only barely begun to grasp yeah. it. I think that's such good news for, for, I mean, for all of humanity, of course, but especially I feel that that is good news for me as a mom and as a mom that works, because there is a lot that gets, that can get in the way of me feeling like I am successful or happy or okay today, especially with little kids and with a business mm-hmm. and, you know, trying to live my life and, you know, still be a good mom and take them to do stuff. And just yesterday we went to BSF in the morning and afterwards a friend was like, Hey, do you want to go um, to this church that has this like little coffee shop upstairs that kids can run around? And I was like, Oh, you know, my introverted self would rather go home, but I was like, okay, let's do this. And my four-year-old was even like, no, I just want to go home because she's exactly like me. But I was like, we're going to do this. And <laughs> if it's not fun, we can leave, but we're going to try this and, and go have fun with some friends. And, and she's a little sensitive to sound. She has a little bit of like loud noise processing stuff mm-hmm. that she just gets a little emotional and cries. And that is something that I think God is using more in my life than hers 
to, oh, to wow. really, um, to really show me my places of pride in having, you know, my kids be obedient and be for oh. me knowing what to expect. Because I know when I go into a social situation that has loud noises or kids that are screaming or a kid that's yelling for food, even if it's just an innocent, like, ah, like she could start crying and that, and right. I can't stop her. And that makes me right. so mad. Like I want oh, to, I just want to like silence it somehow. And I can't. And right. and that no and my my even trying to do it that like taking that route doesn't obviously help anything. And and I know that I like this is such a such a side side issue, but it just was making me think of like that truth that. I am not God and that he is like, I am not the one in control. I'm not the one who tells the waves where to stop or has to be in control of even my child to be okay. Like I need to not be so dependent on that to feel like a good mom or a good person or even just like happy, you know? Well, and what a relief because she could have a complete meltdown and you could still be at rest. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I do think that the gospel offers that. I don't think it's easy no. yeah. <laughs> because I feel the same way kids. I mean, what in the world has ever made me realize I'm not in control more than my children. Right, right. I mean, just every single day I'm like, ah, I keep trying to control yeah. and I just can't. Yeah. Um, it really keeps us dependent on the Lord. When I was pregnant, I remember like with my first daughter, my first, you know, first kid, first pregnancy, like my, when I first found out, I realized, okay, all I have to do is get to 12 weeks and then I know I'm safe. And I got to 12 weeks and then I was like, okay, well now 20 weeks is the new goal because then I'll get to see like if everything's healthy and okay. All right. Got, got there. And then I was like, okay, well now I'm just, now I got to get to 40 weeks. And then I got there. And as soon as she was born, I realized like, oh my gosh, I, oh. there is no more bar. Like the reality right. is that I'm never going to be okay again because I don't have control of her. Like in the sense that like control makes us oh, okay, you know, and, and just that realization of like, oh, I can't believe this is the reality. <laughs> this is what everybody talks about. But I sort of just like yes. naively thought that there was a bar that I was, a line I was going to cross that was going to give me like confidence that, you know, that I, okay, now you're good. You're like, now you know what to expect. You're in control from here on out. And yeah, that doesn't that doesn't exist with kids. No joke. No joke. Whoa. Um, so can we talk about adoption real quick? Uh, you mentioned that you yes. are trying to adopt and you have um the five year old and the three year old. So what led you guys to to this this journey of trying to adopt and where are you well, at? Well, um we clearly can have children um biologically. So it wasn't anything like that, except that we just have always each individually kind of had that on our hearts and I'm, I'm, I can't even quite put my finger on it, but it was just this idea that won't go away. Mm-hmm. And I always think you have to pay attention to those ideas that won't go away. And we were also both on the same page and my husband and I <laughs> were not on the same page a lot. Mm-hmm. So we were like perpetually on the same page. And I think we were like, you know what, we need to just go, you know, meet with an agency, see what this is about. And when we met with them, they were so gospel centered and so wonderful We also read a book together called Adopted for Life by Russell Moore, which I would recommend to anybody, even if you're not considering adoption. It's so wonderful. Mm -hmm. But um, it's something about all that. We were like, it it just became so clear, you know, that this is the way that we need to grow our family and and we'll kind of see what it looks like. Um, And so now we've been waiting. Our home study was approved June 2017. Mm -hmm. So we've been waiting now for a year and a couple months. So I'm sure hoping, oh man, I, I feel... I, I, it was hard for me to get pregnant with my first 
um, child and that longing that I felt with her, it feels exactly like Mm -hmm. that. It feels exactly like that. So, um, I could trust God's timing then, and I know I can trust it now. Mm -hmm. Um, but sure wish you'd hurry up a little bit. (laughs) So as someone that is not real familiar with that, like how that process works, can I ask like, what slows it down? What causes it to, to kind of, you know, take so long? Cause I know people say that it's a very, very slow process. I think it can be a million things. And it's interesting because I was just talking with a, a friend yesterday who's adopting and she's had all these obstacles too. And sometimes it's weird paperwork. And sometimes it's just, um, a lot of adoptions fall through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially if you're doing like an infant adoption, because potentially the expectant mom understandably would change her mind. I I think that's completely understandable. So there's lots of things Mm -hmm. that can happen. It's also just a complicated process. So I think that the easiest answer of why it takes so long is that, you know, Satan hates adoption. Mm -hmm. And so we've encountered just a lot of spiritual warfare in that area. And of course I know that God is in control, but I also, um, know that, yeah, that he certainly allowed this to be difficult. It was, yeah, certainly allowed it to be difficult. And I, I get panicky because I want to make kids to be close in age and the bigger they get, the more I'm, I'm worried. Mm -hmm. And my, you know, my ideas of the age gaps, I'm having to surrender that over and over again, you know? So it's, it's just, um, yeah, complete lack of control once again. Mm-hmm. And I can fill out all the paperwork in the world and try to keep, you know, the, the people who are helping us like on the ball as much as I can, but at the end of the day, yeah. no control. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. One more lesson in, in humility there. Great. Well, as far as like <laughs> yeah. age gap, I can say my youngest sister and I are 11 years apart and there's five kids in there. And, and my, I mean, I'm really close with my all my sisters, but they're five, nine and 11 years younger than me. And they're like my best friends. I mean, Oh, that's wonderful. And I'm like, I'm 30. They're, you know, 25, 21 and 19 or yeah, 19. Yeah. And like, so now that we're adults, it, it matters so, so little. I mean, even the 21 year old, she just got married, but we're like, really, I mean, I could tell her anything like we we're like peers, you know? So yeah, I feel like, I get that. Cause I, I mean, I know what it's like to be like, oh my gosh, starting over. Like, especially when you <laughs> yeah. get through something that's hard, you're like, I don't want to go <laughs> I, back there. <laughs> yes. I know I've forgotten a lot and I'll, yeah, oh my gosh. No, and I'm for forgetting. anyone that hasn't watched your video on Instagram of your son eating the corn, they've got to go. Yes, thank you. I can't believe I caught that on video, but it's the funniest thing that's ever happened. I so. loved it. Whoa. He's just, I oh, it. I can't give the punchline. So you guys got to go watch it. I'm not even going to tell you what happens, but <laughs> you got to go find it. It's like what probably a few posts back. Um, so I know yeah. that you are, we're both running up against PDO pickup. So real quick, can you answer these three okay. questions for me? Um, what's yes. your favorite secret tip for moms? Okay. So one tip that I, I feel like I'm not very good with tips, but one thing that I do that my friends tell me is a good idea is that I save my kids crib sheets for sick days because they really fit like perfectly over the couch. They don't like move around. Um, and so I've had pictures on Instagram a couple of times of like, oh, my kids are sick. And everyone's like, wait, what's that on the couch? Is that a crib sheet? I'm like, yeah, it's so great. That's so funny. that's been like one awesome hack. And my kid, because we don't ever do that, except when they're sick, my kids like kind of think it's special yeah. and then it's sweet because they kind of smile when they're feeling so yeah. bad because they like their couch set up. And they're all so, so ugly. That's, yeah. a, that's a good one. First time I've heard that. Um, so what do you do for fun? 
go out to eat. Yes. <laughs> my favorite thing ever is to go out to eat. I like to get really good Mexican. Oh my gosh. You're speaking the language. Me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm like, if there's guacamole and there's good tacos, like just everything is yeah. fine. Everything's fine. I love it. So, I'm going to yeah. Austin next month and I'm so <gasps> excited because of the Mexican food. Yes. It's just the best. Yes. Oh, amazing. Um, how do you rest? Okay. Well, um, I'm terrible at resting, but, um, this year my husband and I've been trying to implement a Sabbath practice where one day a week, we don't do any work, which sounds so simple, but it just feels it's impossible. Really so yeah. it's so hard. Um, and you know, so resting on those days looks like stretchy clothes. I mean, every day looks like stretchy clothes, but these are like the stretchiest <laughs> clothes and then reading books and just ignoring the kitchen. That's, yeah. that's really the best way for me to rest. Uh, I, yeah, I'm still afraid of that, but I, I need to, I probably need to pray for the humility to try and rest <laughs> one day a week. Right. Well, that's the point, right? Cause you're like, Oh, uh, it, it doesn't matter if I take a day off. Like everyone's still fine. Yeah. How is that possible? Right. Oh, I love it. It's hard. Oh, it's hard. So I first heard about you because you are part of the book, same here says friend and Holly Mackle was on Kindle yeah. a couple months ago. So I should have mentioned that, but it just, it, I already, I should have, I already it knew it was There's true. So many things to talk about. Yeah. We just have so much. To I talk already about. knew it was true. So I didn't say anything about it, but <laughs> well, Caroline, thank you so much for joining us. And, um, where can people go connect with you online? Where do you like to, to find people? Okay, sure. Yeah. You can find me on Instagram at writer Caroline at writer Caroline. And then, um, you'll see link to my blog, which is writercaroline.com. And I have a little shop where I sell like a, a couple of things to help women take Jesus more seriously. Oh yeah. We didn't even talk about that, but you do have a Bible study resource and. Yes, I sure do. I have a, a, something to help with um, people's personal study to help them study inductively. And then I also have a discipleship program that I'm really excited about. Is that new? It's kind of new. I think I launched it in July and, um, I'm actually have, have done it several times in my women are the women's ministry. Our church is doing it right now and it's been going really well. So really excited about that. You know, I I love discipleship. It's one of the things that I take seriously, but anything, any resources that I found in discipleship are really complicated and overwhelming. Or, you know, if you wanted to join a discipleship program, sometimes they ask for a two year commitment and there's just not a lot of particularly women because our lives look can look so different who can honestly commit to two years. But I still think that we're called to walk in obedience to Matthew 28, 19, to go and make disciples of all nations. And so I just wanted to create a program for women who wanted to do that, wanted to disciple outside their home. Cause I do think that parenthood is the ultimate form of discipleship. But um, you know, if you wanted to do it in a formal way, I wanted to bring something down to the very basics. So that's pretty much what it is. It's just the basics of discipleship. I think anybody could do it. It's for, you know, anyone discipling someone who's in like late high school and mm-hmm. up. And then I'm working right now to do one that's that moms can do with their daughters ages like nine to 13. Oh, awesome. So hopefully that'll be out soon. Cause I really love, I mean, obviously my daughter's only four, but I'd love to, you know, yeah. just have a little bit of an idea of how I can do that with her when she's oh, older. That's so cool. I'm excited to check so, that out. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I feel like that'll be so fun to be able to actually like engage with your kids in that way. You know, I mean, Oh, can you imagine? It sounds wonderful. Yeah. Having real conversations. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for was so fun. using some of your PDO time for this interview. So I appreciate that. It was a blast. I feel like I've been hanging out with my friends. I know. So. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. 
Before I leave you today, I have one more thing to share. It's about a little thing called Patreon. It's a way for people like you who enjoy the product of content creators like me to show your support. For as little as $5 a month, you can tangibly enable this show to reach the ears of thousands of women across the world with a message of grace and truth about their work and motherhood. I try not to mention this every episode, but I do want to let you know it exists. It is there. And if you feel moved to give, I'd like to invite you to join me in this work. You can learn more at patreon.com slash kindled podcast or by clicking the link in my profile on Instagram at kindled podcast. Your support means so much to me and I'm so grateful for your generosity. I hope like me, you were inspired today to take your faith seriously and not much else to stop living into the expectations of others or yourselves or trying to prove to everybody that you're somebody you're not. I pray that you feel invited into a life of freedom and joy and self-forgetfulness as you become more in awe of God and His love for you. This podcast was edited by Laura Disler. To connect with me beyond the show, find me on Instagram at Kindled Podcast and visit our website at kindledpodcast.com. Talk to you next week.